Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Berry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. I click the button and we are live. I have not listened to your solo show yet, but I bet you did a little ditty for a creator of the day. I did, in fact. And uh, I got full marks from the audience. They were um, actually I think I got full marks for effort. I don't know that they scored it on anything besides effort. <laughs> well, honestly, you could never replace me, but I respect the attempt at, uh, you know, humor and engagement and everything else that I bring to the show. That's right. Um, I also on the previous show that Sean came on, I said that I upgraded you and he did a great <laughs> job of like backtracking that whole thing. Like, no, 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 no. You know, like playing it off is really humble. It was oh, good. Yeah. But inside he knew it was like, yeah, you did. <laughs> Obviously. So I need to say, say the obvious. Okay. Well, um, welcome everyone to uh, episode. Okay. I think it's 73, but why does everyone say the show number at the beginning? Like, what does that accomplish for anyone in podcasting? It lets you know, we are, we've been around a minute now since <laughs> the beginning right. of the pandemic. <laughs> Oh, Sean's here in the chat. I did do a great job. Yes, you did, Sean. <laughs> it was one of the best of the 70, soon to be 73 episodes as we, as we wrap this up. Barrett, you have been on vacation. Before that, I was on vacation. We have not seen or spoken to each other in three weeks. It's not strictly true, but how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm green today. Um, we went down to Bend, Oregon and spent a week. Some friends came up and joined us from San Francisco. They are pregnant with their second child, so they've been quite isolated and just needed some social time. So that was good. Did a little fishing, got out, played a little baseball in a park, hung out with my son, did good daddy time, uh, had good family time all around. So yeah, ready to roll. It's nice to be, nice to be back. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, let's see what is going on. Been doing lots of house projects. More so than usual, we got a couple weekends of camping in, and that was fun. So now, uh, last weekend was house projects. This weekend is house projects. I don't know. I think I mentioned it on the show, but we bought the house next to us, um, or the the property. And so that is like coming down the final steps, you know, all these stages of walkthroughs and inspections and are they getting stuff done in time? And now my neighbors are chiming in and they have opinions on landscaping. And I was like, this house looked terrible for a the last seven years. And now that we're cleaning it up, you're like, oh, it needs to look like this. All right. Well, welcome to the neighborhood. So that's fun. That's probably what I'll deal with more this weekend. Uh, but yeah, otherwise I'm green. Love it. Uh, well, today is Friday, which makes it Q&A Friday. Casual Q&A Friday normally, but I had a couple meetings today. So I put on the collar. <laughs> you're dressing up. Yes, you have the absence of a collar. In fact, you have a V-neck, which means you have no collar whatsoever <laughs> at all. Anyways, all the audio listeners are like, oh my God, are they ever going to actually get into it? But I just want you to know, you have only had four minutes of jibber jabber before we get into the questions. And I'm kind of just buying time for the live audience to think of their questions, which they're going to ask us mm. now in the chat. They're going to ask us good questions. Okay. I had a question rolling into this that I wanted to ask you because it's kind of top of mind for both of us. And I mm -hmm. think end of the summer, back to school, all this is a creator. How do you make a good vacation as a creator? Like go into a vacation with intention 
to actually have it be good rather than, um, and however we define good, but rather than, you know, whatever it ends up being, I think there's so many times where we're like, Oh man, I need a vacation. And you get back and you're like, what did I need? And did I actually get it? And how could I have showed up differently to get what, you know, I or my family needed from that. Mm. So I'd love your thoughts. Well, I have very different intentions for different trips. Yeah. Uh, I think vacation is kind of like a loaded word because that basically means in people's heads sitting on a beach under an umbrella <laughs> with a pina colada if you are of drinking age. And so I think of, of different kinds of trips. One is I'm just taking time off, but it's mm-hmm. not actually a vacation. One is I need like creative, I need to re-up my creative uh, cup. One is I need to just rest and like really relax. And one is I want to adventure. And so I think of those as like different ways that I like to take time off. Sometimes I take time off because I just have responsibilities. Like last Thursday and Friday, we were in Bend, but my wife was working. And so I needed to be off those days to have childcare. So I was child caring on those days. And I knew like, I'm not working, but also I'm not doing either of the, any of the other three things. It's not beach time. Right. And then like, if I'm resting, I need to book a trip that, enables that. And a lot of times what rest looks like for me is either if it's in the winter, it's, it's typically like at a mountain kind of place, Mm -hmm. but where there's not skiing or anything. So like my parents have a mountain house and it's really like a little cabin in North Carolina. And that was a great place to go in the winter and just like buckle down, lay, take naps, like sit in front of the fire, watch some football or something like that. Or in the summer or fall, or if we go to the other hemisphere, the beach is always what I think of if I'm like, I want to rest. I'm just going to sit in a chair and I'm going to read Right is what rest means to me. And so I measure that or I, I set the intention for that. And then I measure its success based on how many hours did I sit in the chair and read? <laughs> yes. You know, uh, but then there's like these other trips, which are more adventure. It's like going to a place I've never been. It's feeling like I'm a local. It's checking out the food and coffee and cocktail scene. It's seeing the like touristy sites and the way we have transitioned to that. The last one we did was before the kid was born. And uh, my wife and I, we went to France and we did uh, like two and a half weeks just in France. We said, we're not going to like backpack all over and try and do a city every three days, but it is an adventure trip. And so we're going to set no agenda. We went through like some guidebooks um, and we marked off stuff that was interesting to us, but we didn't make a plan for seeing it all. Mm. And then we did a side trip to, so we did like six days in Paris, four days in Normandy, and then like another three days in Paris. And Normandy, we knew what we wanted to do. We wanted to like go to the beaches and some of the other, that was a little more scheduled. But the time in Paris, we most wanted to just be like locals, knowing that we had this list of stuff that on any given day, we could wake up and say, what do we want to do today? And just pick a couple things and go do that based on our energy And man, that was a really awesome way to just feel like you're really being in a place. You're still getting that adventure aspect in because it's kind of new, but you also have time for just, if you want to sit at a cafe and not feel like you're missing something, you didn't make a schedule. So you can just hang out and like, feel like you're part of the city. So anyways, I don't know, random thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that's good. Ken dropped in the chat, the rest versus adventure. He says it's one of the best conversations he's had with his wife. And I think that's so important because one of the worst things is if you and whoever you're going on the vacation with come in with different expectations. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> then you're like, let's go. And they're like, go to the chair that's over there with my book and my cider. Like, what, what does go mean right now? <laughs> um, and then so there's that. And I think that's a little more 
like we forget to do it, but it's a little more obvious. But there's also the other side of like setting intentions with yourself. And it's weird of like, what does, what does success look like in this vacation? You're like, what? My whole life is goal oriented. Success looks like having no goals for this vacation. And it's like, great. That's an intention. You know, you, you establish that. And so like, I can think of, um, the last vacation we did was, uh, like, you know, big family vacation was to Hawaii. And I had a couple of actual things, you know, we're going for 10 days or so. And so it's like, okay, we got tons of time. I want to totally unplug from work because sometimes I'm like, no, I want to keep one eye on things. I don't want to dig out of, you know, email and Slack debt afterwards. I want to, uh, I want to be closer to inbox zero or something. Like I want to be in a generally good state. Right. Other times it's like, nope, I want to not even, it's not not think about work. It's like detached so much that then I can think about it as an outsider rather than an insider. So I wanted to totally detach. And then I wanted a lot of relaxation and like just a bit of adventure. I wanted to go on one really long hike and I wanted to go surfing at least twice. And then I could say like, okay, those are the things I want and whatever else happens, happens. Oh, and I wanted to cook good food, Mm -hmm. you know? And so then you're not like, oh man, we spent too much time in the kitchen. You're like, no, no, no. We came in with this this intention of we're going to cook great food and have these meals out, out on the patio. Or it's not like I'm trying to convince people to go on hikes with me or all that's like, I'm going on one good hike and whoever wants to come with me can. Like I have a few friends who are really good at being the kind of person who is going to have a good time no matter what. I'm in the other camp where I'm like, well, if the circumstances are just right, and if you're as interested in doing this as I am, then like, we'll all have fun. But like, if you're like, hey, I don't want to do that anymore, then I get way too caught up and bummed out by that. And I really am trying to move more into like, I'm going to have a good time. (laughs) And whoever wants to come along, that's great. And so setting that expectation of like, this is what I'm doing. And whoever wants to join me for this one thing, that would be awesome. And if you don't, that's totally fine. And that made for a really good, you know, restful, adventurous vacation. So just as as you're planning out time off in your calendar, which I would encourage you to try to find something, whether it's, you know, a staycation or anything, whatever you can do, there's actually a decent number of options that you can do these days. Uh, Then I would just try to go about it with intention and figure out what you're doing in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finally. So the least disappointment is if you have an intention, number one, and then you just follow through on that. Like this last week, my intention was to be a good dad mm-hmm. and take a half day to go fly fish. Those were like the two things I wanted to do. And, and I did those things. And so like, was it entirely restful? No, because being a dad's tiring. <laughs> yeah. um, and was it entirely adventurous? No, but that wasn't the point of the week. And so I got like, I got what I went for. You know, it was the social time with friends was kind of like the primary driving reason to go. And then these were my other things that I wanted to do. Yep. Okay. Sean asks. It's like, oh, I, Sean asks, do you block off time on your calendar to create like you do with calls? Or do you just fit it in wherever you find time? Barrett, what do you do? <laughs> okay. Well, we both started reading the question at the same time, kind of. So I was like introing you. Yeah, to no, I, I totally understand. You know, one day I'd love to uh, be business partners with someone that I can feel like I can really connect with and finish each other's sentences. But until that happens, what do you think about this question? Uh, for, now you, for now, you got me. Um, uh, let's see. I like, honestly, Sean, I don't create much right now. And that's a real bummer. Like this show is my, this is me blocking time off to create. Actually, that is one of the best things about it. I think both Nathan and I have kind of been in a state of like, there's so much to manage. 
at the business and the meetings are so haphazard all over the place that it is really difficult to get time to create. One of the things that I find most interesting about this actually is in running a remote team, there's this massive talent advantage and that you can hire people anywhere, all over the world. Oh yeah. And you know, you see all these threads on Twitter these days of like, so if you set up three product teams in each of the major time zones of the US, Europe, and Asia, you could have like 24 hour product development, right? I'm like, sure, man, whatever. Um, it, it's just interesting, like the theories about remote yeah, work versus totally. what it's actually like to run a company. And uh, anyway, so I'm on the uh, Pacific coast of the US, which means I'm like the latest one to wake up every day. And so by the time I wake up, the company's already like, they've had the whole working day for half the team. And then another half the team's a few hours ahead on the East coast. And then the third half of the team is over here on <laughs> the West coast and mountain. But my, my best creative hours are like uh, nine or 10 to noon. But that's usually my window for when meetings have to happen with the people that are east of the U.S. And so I just find it really hard to create a flow. And so when I create, it has to be on kind of like off times. And honestly, a lot of the times it's on nights and weekends right now, uh, which I think is different because we're running a company than it would be like if I was still full-time creator mode, then I would, that is my job. And right. I would be blocking off the first half of my day and not doing meetings or anything like that. Yep. Something that I've done, because I, I think last week or the week before I realized this, I was actually in a coaching conversation with Dan, which you guys should watch episode 20 something uh, to hang out with Dan and Andy. But I was having a conversation with him and I realized that I wanted to change the way I showed up to work. I was reacting to everything. The, the number of meetings, it, like it was scattered throughout my calendar. And I went actually pretty extreme. And it was like, okay, I want to do all of my meetings on, I'm going to pack Monday completely full because it's already leaning that direction. And then I want to do Wednesday mornings. And that's going to be like, if at all possible, I'm going to fit things in there and I'm going to block off huge amounts of time to create or, you know, deep dive on for like a lot of time creating looks like, okay, what, what is my response to this business strategy that one of our uh, leadership team members have posted? You know, how are we going to redo our pricing for our, our pro plan? You know, what's the launch plan for this look like? So it's not quite as much of like, let me sit down and write. But I've done a lot of that this week. Yeah. What I would say the biggest bummer for me, because on one hand, I'm like, oh, if I only had this time to create, and this goes into uh, one of the next questions uh, about procrastination, is you're like, oh man, I've got, Tuesday, I've got four or five hours carved out Tuesday afternoon. It's going to be so good. And then when Tuesday afternoon shows up and you don't deliver on your own expectations, like you <laughs> totally procrastinate or you like kind of make some progress, but not really. And then things come up and then you're like, well, I have this time. So I might as well take a break, you know, and you get to the end of it and you're like, I finally carved out that time and I have no one to blame except for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that is the worst. <laughs> and I think that is a symptom of not maintaining a creative habit. Yes. It's when I'm trying to like jumpstart the engine, when I finally get a block, I'm, I'm already behind. Right. Because it's really actually the habit, you know, to Sean's point, carving out 30 minutes every morning before I start my first meeting would be the best answer here. Mm -hmm. And just saying like, look, for my first 30 minutes of work, I'm not logging on to Slack. I know I'm behind the rest of the team and I'm still not logging on. But 30 minutes isn't going to change that. Exactly. That would be the answer. And I know that that's the answer. And I just need to shift my like thinking and approach to that if I want the creative habit. So anyways, it's one of those things. It is also interesting, the internal stuff. Like I write thousands of words every week still. Mm -hmm. 
but it's in Basecamp, not on my blog, you know? And, and so I don't know. It's just a challenge. Running a company is weird. I have a few different thoughts there. One, like I'm totally working on the recurring habits of showing up, you know? And so I use uh, streaks. I've got my right habit that 10 days in a row now. I keep breaking that streak, but then I keep getting it back. This is the time that I'm going to keep it for sure. So that was one thought. The other thing is this applies not just to habits, procrastination, creative time or any of that. Is like if you take a step back, whenever you're frustrated, uh, do two things. One, define the problem. What is actually frustrating? And if you're like, it's that I, uh, and maybe here, there's two different problems. I don't have time to create. And we can define that as a problem and, and maybe journal a little bit on that. And you can go on the other side and say, when I do have time to create, it's sporadic. And I feel like I can't like go from all of this to like, wow, now I'm a creative genius. And let me just turn that on with the flip of a switch. So if you define that problem, then okay, that's there. Now step back and say, what advice would I give to someone else who has this problem? Your problem is super complicated. Like there's all kinds of nuance to it that no one else could understand. But if your friend had that problem, I bet you have advice for him. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so if you step back and be like, yeah. well, what, what, what advice would I give myself? And you're like, cool, that's pretty sound advice. Maybe you should take it. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the things on the procrastinating question. So one of the, the next questions was, do we ever find ourselves procrastinating? And if so, when? And if not, how do we avoid it? I mean, the answer is yes. I think we all do. Related to these blocks of time, one of the things I find is when in my mind, I know I can't finish the thing I want to do during that block, Mm. I tend not to do it at all. And that's this like black and white thinking in my mind of, I really love the feeling of shipping something like checking the box on it. I hate the feeling of getting halfway through it and then having to come back to it whenever I get that next block. And so sometimes I find myself thinking about what can I finish in this amount of time instead of what do I have the most energy towards? So like an example of this is, um, like a lot of my writing I want to transition to publicly is just essays about deep topics. And like, I don't need to earn any money from it. I just want to write about the topics that like my friends like to talk to me about. And so when Chadwick Boseman died last week, that really got me. Like really, I had to sit there and just like read about him and watch videos of him for like two hours past my bedtime. I I like cried for the first time the whole pandemic. It was weird. But the reason is he's like a real life hero. You know, he was like a superhero in the movies. And then he's been this like incredible creator. The roles he's played, the like on screen, the role he played in people's lives off screen. It's just incredible. And it felt like this gut punch, it's like everything we're going through and this man dies and we didn't even know. And it made me think, did he know how much he mattered while he was here? And so I thought about writing this essay called Cherish Our Heroes, like really getting into who are our heroes and how hard it is to find heroes because people let us down so much and they have the dark side that we all have. And, and do we do enough to really celebrate people? so that they know how important they are. But that is going to take time. You know, I don't know exactly what I have. I have an idea of what I have to say, but there's like structure that needs to come into it. There's probably some reading and research. Like that's not going to happen in three hours. Yep. And so when I think about I, what I end up defaulting back to is like, ah, let me just clear out Basecamp instead. You know, let me respond to people so I'm not holding them back. So procrastination looks like that. It's usually productive right now, but I like default back to Let me help other people be productive instead of me really sitting down and like scratching that creative itch that I have right now. Yeah, that makes sense. I've been trying to work on 
using the newsletter as a tool to show up consistently so I can take breaks in and really put a lot of effort into substantial posts. And so I've had to embrace like, okay, what does 30 minutes of progress on this look like? And that might be something that's I actually have this little kitchen timer right here uh, on my desk. And so if for whatever reason, it helps to have some intangible instead of like typing into Google or Siri, start a timer for 10 minutes or whatever. Um, and having that, if I set my definition for success of 30 minutes of progress, that's totally different than I'm going to get this to the point where I can send it off to someone to edit it. So when you do that, have you noticed that it feels like an eternity to focus for that long? Yeah. Oh, well, I get both feelings and it's like, it could be a coin flip of which one I'm going to end up with. Yeah. Of yeah. Either it goes by quickly or it's like, what, I mean, anything could have happened in the outside world by now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know. Like, do we even, still, I, I've had Slack closed for 23 minutes. Do we even still have a business? Like, has Twitter, like maybe Twitter imploded during this time. I should probably just go check. <laughs> It's like meditation that way, kind of, you know, really trying to get into that flow state. Uh, it's really fascinating. Yeah, I agree with you that when I do, when I just set the timer, it feels like such a luxury to have that time mm-hmm. and like close out of everything. So anyways, we struggle with procrastination and all of that too. The creative habit is hard to maintain when you're leading a growing team. Sean Park asked, how did it feel to cross the 2 million MRR mark? So ConvertKit's been around seven, seven and a half years, yep. seven and three quarters years, something like that. When I joined, you know, obviously when Nathan joined, it was at zero. (laughs) When I joined, we were doing right at or just under $300,000 a month. And so that was four and a half. No, no, no. Four four months, three months or four years, three months, something like that. So in that time, we've grown from $300,000 a month to $2 million a month in revenue is what the question comes from. We just passed 2 million right at the end of August. I'd love to hear what it feels like to you because you started at zero. Yeah. Well, I've been trying to, do a better job of celebrating because it's so easy. And we've talked about this on the show before, but it's so easy to just blow right past it and not, not pause and celebrate. So I've been trying to do that. Uh, and on Monday, which is actually when we hit it, and it was funny, you have these expectations, right? You can do math. Uh, and the question in here is when does math come into play? Well, it comes into play a lot in basic forecasting of like, are we going to hit 2 million MRR uh, on Wednesday or is it going to take till Friday? <laughs> you know? And we had, for whatever reason, a fantastic day of of growth on Sunday and Monday. And so we hit it early. And so Hillary and I already had plans. Like we had a little date night scheduled and some time just us. And so that was fun. And it was kind of funny to like, I just like pulled up Barometrics on my phone and walked up and Hillary and I were hanging out, headed to the park. And I was like, hey, look at this. You know, and she just looks at it and goes, what? Like her reaction was just like... It was kind of fun because I've been a part of it all the way. And of course she has as well, but from more of a distance. And it summed up more of what I was thinking of like, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, uh, And so that was fun because it was sort of like the, the playful response of like, it's so far beyond what we ever expected. The other reaction is something that you and I have talked about in a couple of calls, including one earlier today, of like wanting to feel like we're in the driver's seat. And this might sounds super weird for everyone listening. Um, yeah, but a lot of, we feel like we're doing the right activities and it's not quite creating the outcomes that it should. And so we're, we're reaching these goals, not through increased effort or brilliant plans, but through a function of time. And now it's like, well, just set the clock to when we get to 2.5 million, you know, in another year and a half or a year or whatever. So there's this sort of this feeling that I think every creator has of like, 
that was amazing. Let me celebrate that. But also like, did we get there in the way that we thought we would, or was that truly my best effort? Is that, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. what I'm capable of? Cause if it is like, that's amazing. But I also have this doubt in my mind of like, okay, but we're capable of a lot more and we're capable of doing that faster. So it's sort of this weird juxtaposition between those two things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I always have this feeling of like, but did we earn it? <laughs> you know, um, which is ridiculous. I know. And, and like, I think we drive our, our teams crazy sometimes. Cause I think we both have a little bit of this, like just underdog mentality of like, I want, I want to feel like it's hard. I want to earn it. I want to like win the respect of the people who help us get there, you know, or, or whatever, or of the market. And, and so, yeah, I think like some of it is obviously there's so much work that goes into running this uh, company across the board. And we do a lot for the creator community. And so have we earned it? Like, yeah, without a doubt, like we've, we've created our place here in this community and, and at this company, and we know we're capable of so much more. Like we know what's possible or we think we know what's possible. And I think we're always driven to try and, and find that, you know, what's the edge of what we're capable of. And I think we're like still pretty far away from the edge of what we're capable of. Right. And so I think it's, it's like good to both celebrate it and know there, there may never be a dollar amount that makes it feel like we're successful, but I think there will be a feeling of like, oh yeah, that's what it feels like to do incredible work that like we're really proud of. I think there's different areas of the business that feel that way at different times. This might be a, a terrible example. And so apologies to the incredible creator and athlete who's mentioned in it. Um, but it makes me think of like Alex Honnold with Free Solo. Like he pulled off yeah. some pretty incredible things and people are like, wow, that's amazing. And he's got to have it in the back of his mind. I'm like, yeah, but that wasn't, that wasn't El Capitan. Like that, that was practice, you know? And so sure, that's more than what most people do. But like, it's, I know I'm capable of so much more. And so it's like Mm -hmm. that celebrating and pushing yourself all at once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Let's see. Next question. Lennon. Lennon, I don't think I've ever seen you around before. So welcome. I see you watched Seth Godin's talk from Craft and Commerce uh, on our YouTube channel this morning. That's cool. It's a good talk. Lennon says, when it comes to the idea of people like us do things like this, which is one of Seth's kind of taglines, what does that look like for you guys with ConvertKit? Who are people like us for you? Maybe more simply put, who was your smallest viable audience when you started as a company? Yeah, so people like us um, started as, well, first it was really vague, but then once we defined it, um, it was professional bloggers, people trying to build a blog and earn a living from it. And that was a total game changer when we, when we spelled it out. Now I would say it's something different. And it's not, a lot of people see it as it's made the move from like professional blogger to now all of creators. And that is, that is true. But when we say people like us, we don't mean creators. We mean creators who are trying to have an impact. Creators who are doing work that they believe matters. And I've seen this a lot in the online space where uh, you, you can divide people into two groups. One is where I've discovered the internet and it's amazing of what it can do for me. And the other is the, I've discovered the internet and building an audience and it's amazing what I can do for those people. Mm-hmm. And so when we say people like us, like that's who we want to serve, it's that second group that we mean. 
who have discovered the power of audiences and like, this is amazing. I can earn a living from it. And I can impact hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people with my art, music, essays, any of those things. And that's what we mean when we say people like us. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite recent examples that we've gotten to highlight a bunch is um, a while back, I went and gave a talk at Patreon. They have a conference called Patreon. Creative, I know. <laughs> and uh, we sponsored it and I gave a talk about ConvertKit and we built an integration with Patreon. And as a like fun little, n- not quite a gimmick, but like a fun way to engage with the audience, I looked at people who had signed up for my talk ahead of time in, in the like little app and then pulled real information from their businesses and used it in product examples in my presentation. And they were just like mind blown that I had done that ahead of time. But one of them was uh, this woman who runs a site called Science Mom. And that day was when she became a customer. And she is now the leading, one of the leading leading by a significant margin. Okay. So she is leading in product sales on ConvertKit Commerce since launch. And she's providing like this virtual science summer camp for kids. And her timing is perfect. Like her preparation is perfect. She's got the reputation, the materials. But like everything she does is teaching kids science online. And it's just so wholesome. And at the same time, like she's earning great money doing it, which I just find to be fantastic because she's both, she's getting both, but she's getting an overlap. It's like perfectly overlapped between timing in the market and what people need in the world, her skill set and her applied knowledge of teaching science to kids online and earning money from it. And it's just so cool seeing. So like, that's the people like us thing. Yep. And I think the distinction is which one you put first. They a hundred percent coexist, but which one does serving your audience and creating something incredible for the world? Is that the number one priority? Or is getting paid and taking care of yourself the number one priority? Uh, You can do both. You can say, like, I'm here to serve me and everything that comes out of it. Like, yeah, of course, I have to create value in order to do that. You know, unless you're there's I I don't know. You've all seen the sleazy ads or that kind of thing. There are people who aren't creating value, but it's, it's actually hard. So you can prioritize yourself and still create value for other people. But the ones that we're talking about, like with the science mom. She has prioritized this value for the community um, so much. And then in doing so, the byproduct has been incredible value for herself and her family. Yep. Yep. Love it. Okay. Noah asked, how does your company use mathematics? Do you use any modeling or statistics? Uh, So I was thinking about a couple of things here, Nathan. One was the graph theory of automations. Oh, yeah. One is obviously our data team. And then I was trying to think if there's like other examples, but maybe, maybe you get into a little bit of like the graph theory and how that went. Yeah. So something that is interesting, we have the, um, this automations product inside of ConvertKit that I think many of you have played with. And it's basically a visual way to lay out. If someone comes down here, this is what will happen next. They can branch and go out, out, out there. I'm by no means an expert or anywhere close to that on, on graph theory, but it's basically this idea in mathematics of ha- and computer science of how you lay that out visually and all the different circumstances and everything come into it. And so basically the team built an algorithm to take this information and display it visually and draw the curved lines and everything. And you would not believe how much effort, because like it's super easy to draw curved lines. But then when all the dynamic content can change, the screen sizes can be completely different and everything else. Um, Like that was a very complicated math problem. 
And uh, three people on our team, John, Pierre Olivier, and Brad, who are engineers who have been with us all for over three years, three, four, mm-hmm. Brad's coming up on five years. You know, they just dove in and they're like, oh, this is like a textbook computer science problem, not because it's easy, but because it's like this example of this really hard thing. And and they just dove in and they said like, we haven't done this before, but it's going to be great. Yeah. It was really fun. And the result for the customers is great. Yeah, totally. Two other areas. We, obvi- well, not obviously, we have a data team who's in charge of basically just reporting back to the company what's true about what's happening. And that could be anything from like, what percentage of accounts have zero subscribers? What percentage of accounts have less than 100 subscribers in their account? To how much money did we make this month? And so obviously there's math involved there. And a lot of that applies to things like budgeting and financial projections as well. We're just kind of starting to touch on modeling looking forward Mm -hmm. and taking kind of the historical data that we have and then projecting that into the future based on different variables. And there's, there's some programming languages like R and Python and some other things that we can use to show, okay, if these things are true, then what do we expect to be true if these things change going forward? And that takes a lot of effort because you got to make sure your current data is right for that to be useful or else uh, it's kind of like the whole um, starting a flight uh, you know, if you are like a degree off, you end up way uh, yeah. far away from your destination. Same kind of thing if your data's off. And then the last area is in our spam prevention and fraud prevention efforts. We have a machine learning model that our team who works on fraud and spam have been training. And I won't get into a bunch of it because we do try and keep at least some of it uh, behind the scenes so that spammers can't get a head start on us. But they're training that with real-time data. And it's not like advanced mathematics, but there are definitely mathematics involved in looking at uh, breakpoints and behavior between what spammers do versus what a legitimate user does and making sure that we're finding just the right line so that we're preventing all the spam, but not holding back any of our legitimate customers. So yeah, there's a lot of math in, in software and in data and everything. So the other thing that I would say is there's a lot of times that we'll just pull up a spreadsheet and, and make something because often a projection or a question that you have, it's like, well, we can't know the answer to that, but you could know the component parts that go into it. Uh, it's like, okay, well, traffic conversion rate, the percentage to do this, this, the, you know, average order value, those things, you don't have to know any of the variables to put them down to define what the variable, like you don't have to know any of the actual values to define what the component variables are. And that's something that we'll often do because it's easy to fall into a trap or, or a, an assumption of success with this promotion would look like this. And even if you don't name it, you kind of have something in the back of your head. And so we'll often just pull up a new Google sheet and say, okay, what are the component parts? And then at least plug in those assumption numbers. Cause then when you, ina- you name what's based on fact and what's based on total assumptions, and then you can also see, okay, here's where I could apply effort to move the needle there. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Last question from Teddy. And then we're going to wrap up. Um, In the perfect world where we do find time to do creative work, how would we or how do we plan to integrate our personal websites with this podcast and just kind of the the ConvertKit brand in general? You know, if we think about all of our creative work uh, at the company and in in our personal lives as an ecosystem, like how do our personal websites fit into the ecosystem? Yeah, so the thing that I want to contribute the most is like the long form essays. And so that's when I realized that I wanted to contribute like 
I don't know, iconic pieces of content that people can keep referring back to. Uh, and I want to keep setting a new standard. So the like my current standard is my Ladders of Wealth creation post from last fall, where like I still get, I don't know, five messages a week or something on Reddit of people who are like, I just read that post. I love it, you know, because I republished it there. Or it's the most trafficked, most visited, most shared post on my site. And that took a significant level of effort that's what I want to keep doing is delivering on that level and basically saying, how can I show up consistently to provide interesting content and great value um, and ideas while I'm working on building substantial things on that level, particularly they don't fit within the ConvertKit brand, you know, like that's not, it's related, right? We're earning a living online, that kind of thing, but it's, it's not directly correlated. Um, so that's the kind of thing that I want to do. And it's just a matter of finding the time and working to do that. I, I think it's not quite on that level, but I'm close with this, um, billion dollar blog, uh, post that I think should come out on Tuesday. I gotta, gotta do a few more rounds of 30 minutes at a time to get it there. Uh, but that's what I would like to see happen. Yeah. What about you? You know, I, um, I was actually talking to my coach about this yesterday and, uh, I think a lot of what I feel is a sense of obligation to document my learning so that other people like running this company, we have learned so much that so many people could benefit from and like wanting to document that. So I don't lose it Mm -hmm. because you lose it the longer the time, like we couldn't have imagined making $2 million a month, four years ago. That that would have been like, oh man, I hope we get there. And I guess we imagined it because we had this vision, right? But at the same time. I can't know what I was thinking like back then now. The only way I can know that is to read what I would have written then. And so I have some sense of like, I want to document as we go so that other people can learn so that we can reflect back. And I already do spend so many hours on this company. You know, it's like, sometimes I just want to talk about the things that are fascinating to me. And what my friends and I tend to talk about, you know, you and and our friend friends, Ryan and James, who were on the other week, um, when we sit around a dinner table is, is things like uh, political system reform and education systems and like what that looks like long-term. Will college exist in 30 years? Like if humans could take over the whole earth and just bend it to our will so that we have all the resources we want, or we can save wildlife, like what should we do with that? You know, is there value in beauty versus utility? Like those are the things that I think about when I'm not on as escapes. And so a lot of what I think I'm transitioning towards is like, I don't know if there's any value to this economically speaking, but I know it's interesting. And I bet other nerds like me who think deeply about things will enjoy this if I write about it. I think that's what I'm going to move towards is just like, it's, it might not fit, but what it will do is it'll continue to connect us as we create those things to being a creator and the experiencing experience of hitting publish and hoping people like something because ultimately like, yes, creators come from inside first. Like we have this idea or something that's fascinating to us and we want to share it, but also we're looking for the engagement around it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not like, we want to be liked, but I think what I want more than anything is I want conversation and dialogue and discourse about ideas. Like that's what I'm looking for. So anyways, I think that's what it's for, for me is like, Maybe I'll document some of what we learned just so that it's there and people can, can leverage it. But really, I want to explore what's fascinating me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Teddy asked a little bit of a follow-up. Um, Barrett, would having a podcast menu on your site not drive with your vision of this site and this podcast? I think he's trying to, to figure out how we would like 
tie it all together. Got it. Yeah, I think a lot about that. I think about having almost like, um, here's my series on finding meaningful work. Here's my series on operating a company. And here's what I, all my essays on like deep shit. And this podcast would be somewhere in that vein of like uh, finding meaningful work. Like being a creator, I think is one way to find meaningful work. Um, and it probably should be on our sites. Yes. You know, if I spent any time on my site, this podcast would be there and people could discover it. Maybe at a hundred episodes, we'll, <laughs> it'll finally be worthy of being put on our fantastic sites. So Teddy, what I'm saying is I actually should have been asking you questions about how I should be using my site to promote this podcast. Oh man. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. We don't have creators of the day today. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going because I, I was like, Brett, I told you I don't have a creator. Okay. We don't have creators. We don't have resources. You're stuck with just the two of us and our beautiful smiling faces. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you on Monday. And uh, no, we won't see you on Monday. See you next Friday. It's Labor Day. Next Friday. Which is my birthday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not doing anything. Anyways, <laughs> we'll see you next Friday for uh, another Q&A. See you. Bye. for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.